Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja Podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some training, wisdom, and inspiration from the masters. Let Ryan Guth guide your journey to becoming a Choir Ninja. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and I'm delighted to have with me today Elisa Jones. Uh, She is joining me as another podcast host, uh, the host of the Music Ed Mentor Podcast, which I was on um, just this past week. Uh, It was Friday, October 13th, 2017. Uh, So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, we'll put a link to that episode in today's show notes. Today is episode 138, so you can find anything that we reference, including uh, the seven steps to make more funding with less time and effort uh, in the show notes at choir.ninja forward slash 138. So you can check out any links that we spoke about and things like that. So today we're going to get into um, fundraising 101. Um, Some things are going to maybe sound like common sense. Some things are going to be a little more advanced. Uh, Take from it what you will. Uh, But hopefully, if you implement all seven of these steps, you will be able to uh, have a comprehensive fundraising uh, platform for your school or organization. So um, I want to let you know that before we begin uh, with Elisa, um, that we are going to thank our sponsors. Uh, The first one being MyMusicFolders.com. MyMusicFolders.com is one-stop shopping for everything music folders, of course. They are uh, awesome. John and Robin Rose are the owners. They're the coolest people ever. They live in Montana. Um, Again, I've said this before in the podcast, these are the only people you're ever going to know from Montana. So, uh, that's pretty fantastic. And they make a superior product such that other music folder manufacturers copy them. So they are the gold standard. So with the promo code NINJA, if you go to mymusicfolders.com, use that promo code NINJA, you will receive the uh, top tier pricing, which means it's the pricing that is the lowest and reserved for people that order the most quantity of folders. So no matter what quantity you order, you will get the lowest possible price with the promo code NINJA. Um, you should definitely check out their director folder, which is pretty awesome. It's a full grain leather, beautiful I think it's it's either full grain or top grain. I'm not sure the difference between those leathers, but it's pretty awesome. So check out the director folder um, if you want to treat yourself. The second sponsor, of course, is sightreadingfactory.com. Sightreadingfactory.com is so pleased with this podcast because we help them crush their sales goals every single month. Uh, and I know there are so many members of Choir Nation out there that use sightreadingfactory.com. So uh, use the promo code NINJA at checkout and you will get 10 free student accounts. Uh, those student accounts can be used for your Allstate kids. They can be used uh, for um, just to demo the idea of testing your students remotely on Sight Reading Factory. But uh, if you type in that promo code NINJA, 
You can buy as many student accounts as you want, but you'll definitely get those 10 for free with your yearly subscription, which is like only $35, which you absolutely should do because it's the best money you'll ever spend for your Coral program. So, um, well, without further ado, Elisa Jones, thank you for uh, joining me on the Choir Ninja podcast today. Well, thanks, Ryan, for having me. It was surely a pleasure to have you on my podcast, and it's fun to be on yours. Well, you know, the podcasters are really easy to to interview because they get it. So I, I really appreciate that they understand the flow. There's limited coaching that has to be done beforehand, and they have great microphones. So everybody uh, that I interview that happens to be a podcaster has has just fantastic audio quality. So thank you. <laughs> sure, sure. And of course, there's my chorally trained voice that I've been working on for 35 years. Of course, absolutely. You know what? And and. Um, Whenever, whenever you're out and about, I'm sure as a music educator, um, and when people find out that you know I have a degree in music or a degree in voice or whatever, and I know Choir Nation, uh, this probably resonates with them too. Um, you know, they must. You know, when uh, you introduce yourself and you, you get to talking about your background as a choral director, people say, "Oh, well, you must have a, a great singing voice." Then, and I look, I look back at them and I go. I damn well, damn well better have a great singing voice. I spent, <laughs> you know, $150,000 on my education, you know, like, well, I don't really say it like that, but. Well, but. For, for me, it goes the other way. Like I've been an announcer for um, like bike races and stuff. And on mic checks, I'll occasionally sing. And then people will come over and be like, wow, you have an amazing voice. And I'm like, well, yeah, I do. I have a degree in education. I should have a. Yeah, I mean, a degree in music. I should have a beautiful singing voice, right? Well, then they all, then they go, uh, you should audition for American Idol. That's what oh, they say after that. I know, or The Voice. Or Definitely The Voice. The you should voice. do The Voice. It's Yeah, because you know, of course The Voice is just a little more fair, right? So, right. Well, um, Elisa, so you are here to talk about fundraising. And uh, this is something that people ask for all the time. They actually, they post uh, in the Choir Nation Facebook group, uh, which is a, a group of people that listen to the show. Uh, and other choral colleagues, and they say, does anybody have any suggestions about fundraising? Now, n- it's, never al- it's never always like the, the particular product, right? It's just, you know, what works for you? What are the general principles that work for you? Uh, right. You know, so whether you do the well, magazine drive or, the, or the, the candy lady or whatever, it, there's, there's some core principles, right? So can you help us give, a, give me a summary of what, do you, what you think sort of makes up good principles of fundraising? Right. So you should know ahead of time, I have written an online course all about grant writing because I understand how important fundraising is for music educators. And also like those posts are kind of my pet peeve, right? People are like, what's your best fundraiser that you've done? And I feel like people go right to making their students sell shit, right? Am I, am I allowed to say that on your podcast? Oh gosh. Well, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, well, I, I already said damn, so so it's okay. I'll just put the explicit tag on this one. That's totally okay, fine. Okay, but I, I'm so sorry. Normally, I'm super PG. Like, no, I know but, you teach elementary school. You got to let it out sometimes. I get oh, it. not only, yeah, seriously. But the truth of the matter is, is like, I feel like we go straight for the what can I sell to make money, you know, or or what, what can I do? So today I want to share like top tips for 
what you can do before you get to that point. Cause I feel like if you've got time to run a fundraiser, why are you not spending that time on your choral program? Well, okay. So you know what I mean? I've never done this fundraiser stuff before. Like I've really not ever participated in fundraisers and I'm going to give you a little background and then maybe we can, cause I'm not going to say a whole lot during this cause you, you're really the expert on fundraising. I'm just going to give you Enquire nation, my sort of background on how I feel about this. I'm, I'm an ROI person, right? I want, I, re, for those of you who don't know ROI, that's return on investment, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to spend time on something, I want to know that I'm going to get uh, the return that that I want, right? So, so when it comes to fundraising, the only fundraising I ever did when I was a middle school teacher was selling um, playbill advertisements for um, the middle school production of you know like Annie Junior or, or or whatever, and. In my last year doing the musical, because I, I stopped the musical after that because of the craziness um, of doing a musical, uh, and th- that could be a whole podcast of its own. But hmm. but um, I taught the kids. I invested in teaching the kids how to sell Playbill ads, how to go to the, your hairdresser, the nail salon that your mom goes to, uh, the car wash, you know, the hoagie store or whatever, and... Sorry, I'm I'm from the Philadelphia area, so we say hoagies. Um, mm. uh, submarine sandwich store, right? And Hobos. Hob- po- wait, no, po boys. That's what it is. Oh, po boys. Yes, po, po boys. boys. Yeah. Um, so going to those stores and and pitching them. So that I, I taught the kids how to pitch, and that was like that was my investment, right? And if they went out and did all the rest of the work, and but they did so so well with this. That we ended up having a 42-page playbill for my middle school production of Annie Junior, and nice. and that was and what does it cost? Ink, right? So it was a fully funded. the The programs were fully funded, and we had an additional something like six thousand um, dollars left over after we printed the programs. Which, of course, of course, the. Uh, uh, district absorbed into their general fund, which is why I don't do musicals anymore. But uh, <laughs> like that was that was like my, the extent of fundraising f- for me because I'm like, why wouldn't I want a you know a 98 percent margin, right? Like, how many candles do I have to sell to get six thousand dollars from my program? No, you're you're totally making the right point. So, so the flip side of my background is that I also have an MBA, right? And that's not like a master of whatever you think MBA stands for. It's a master of business administration, and my focus is on strategy. So, in my other non-music education life, I actually counsel businesses on how to get their highest ROI or their return on investment. So, that's why it drives me crazy when I see people posting in these teacher Facebook groups like well, we sell candy bars and we make a dollar off of every candy bar we sell. Well, yeah, but it costs you a dollar, you know? So today I really want to share like the step-by-step how to really get the highest return on your time investment before you get to the point where you are 
compromising the money that you could be making on purchasing inventory, which is really what it comes down to. And, you know, this may go back to like my background when I was in high school, like having to walk around school carrying a box of candy bars to try and pay for my marching band fees. Like that was so... I don't know what the right term is. I don't know. 1962 is what it is. That's the term. Well, I know. And I'm not even that old. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it it, is this, this whole thing in fury infuriates me because I've been trying for the last two and a half years. I think I've gotten through to a lot of people just to say, choir directors, you are entrepreneurs. You need to think like an entrepreneur, you know, doing the same thing as everybody else does is not is not going to give you those above average returns that you're looking for, right? And now I'm a financial advisor, so now I'm now I'm like now I'm blending you know this sort of entrepreneurial world with um, you know that I brought brought from music education into people's own investments, and of course trying to strategize to help them get the best return possible. So um, brilliant. So anyway, all right. Well, so that's let's get that's into exactly- it. That's exactly why I got my MBA, actually, was because I thought, you know, all this business training is going to come in handy when I go back into education. So let's talk about what went right with your playbill sales, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's step one, is really knowing what you need, why you need it, what it will cost, and most importantly, what difference it's going to make, right? So you were able to have something very tangible to take to those businesses for your playbill advertisements. So you really need to start by having a strong proposal. And the more emotional you can make it, right? Like little Sally goes to school and her only outlet is drama. And so that's why, you know, you have to support the drama program for all of these kids who need this as their one reason for coming to school, you know, right, like right. that's a really emotional plea or look at our, our choir risers. They're from 1954 and they're made of wood and they're falling apart. And this is a dangerous issue for our choir students sure. who are getting on and off the risers. So help us buy new risers. So if you can really make an emotional connection, an emotional plea and, and have that come first and then back that up with the logical reasons why they need to give, like it's going to be a tax write-off for your business, right? Mm-hmm. It's going, you, you can you can donate goods and, and services instead of cash. Like really craft what your proposal is and then make it easy because once it's an emotional, like connecting thing, it's easy to share. It's easy to put in your students' hands. It's easy for them to go into their businesses or, you know, whoever they're connected to, parents, grandparents, and say, hey, we're trying to afford new band uniforms or new choir robes or whatever, or new folders. Can I say new folders? Yeah, well, you can order from mymusicfolders.com. There you go. (laughs) So, you know, look at our folders. They're falling apart, you know? Who doesn't have a photograph of that that you can slap onto some kind of brochure? Yeah, you know what? Grandmom can sponsor a folder in My Music Folders will 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 engrave grandmom's name on that folder for for the next you know they'll be there for the next 20 30 years i mean come on think about it think about ways that you don't need to break the bank but ways that you can you know ways that you can honor people stakeholders in your community and things like that and you know what just to say you you were saying uh goods they can you know uh, donate goods and services not just money um we had this situation last year with uh um, my final concert that I gave uh, this past year when I was teaching high school, 
I I actually approached uh, a company to sponsor the program, and they were like, "Oh, you know, what? we'll just donate, we'll just donate the full color printing of all your programs." And I'm like, "That's even better. That's going to save us so much more money than that's that's a five hundred dollar expense and not a twenty five dollar advertisement." Yeah, it's it's super good for you and it's super good for them. And we're going to talk about what you can do with those goods and services that they donate in step six. So step one is all about creating a strong proposal so that anybody will want to buy into it. What do you think those elements are in that proposal before you move forward? Um, Because I I, I feel like one thing that I want to know is, is, you know, should that proposal have some type of monetary goal included like i know we're gonna need boom this amount of money and here's why right and and all that you know you said you said the emotional appeal you know susie's got splinters in her feet from the from the risers i have no idea why she's on the risers barefoot but regardless (laughs) right but we know it's going to take an additional twelve thousand dollars to buy risers should there be that monetary goal in your proposal I think so. I think that that just makes it so that you sh- you're showing that you have your P's and Q's in order, right? Right. Well so, researched and all that. Sort exactly. Of stuff. Okay. So it's it's what you need, why you need it, what it will cost, and what difference it's going to make, right? And then when you pr- when you lay out outlay your proposal or lay it out, say start with what difference it's going to make, why you need it, what you need, and what it will cost. Okay. So end with the cost thing. And then if you can show in there what costs are already being um, added to that so that nobody looks like, oh my gosh, you need $12,000 for new risers and you're coming to me, they, they might think that they need twelve to give you $12,000, right? But if you say, well, our PTA has already committed $2,000, right? And mm-hmm. we're going to be using $500 out of our music budget for that. So, and, and when it comes to grant writing, that's like a really powerful thing to be able to say other people are already contributing to this. It creates what we call social proof, right? Right. Like so so if other somebody else giving. is doing it, hop on the bandwagon, it's probably a safer, safer bet. There you go. So, okay. so yes, absolutely. Like put in the emotional plea, but then those monetary gains, those numbers, those are what create that logistic like the the confirmation in their cognitive side of their brain that that this is an okay thing to do mm-hmm. and give them all of those logical reasons they need to buy in. So and so that's all the big step one. There's some trigger things in there like if um if like let's just use the riser example for a second. I know that in the very litigious New Jersey uh that I used to work in um you know everybody's mom used to lawyer up when when anything would happen, right? So um, you could go to your administration and say, we need new risers because, and you could go, you know, bring your principal and show them the risers, show them how jiggly they are and be like, a kid's going to get hurt and you're going to get sued and it's going to be $50,000, not 10. Yeah, that, no, that, you're exactly right. And, and that goes for any kind of equipment that's getting old or dated. If you can show that the cost of upkeep overwhelms the cost of replacement, then that takes us to step two, which is going and doing your due diligence and asking for money from your administration and from those who are associated with your school. This is like lowest hanging fruit. 
Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because I think that, that, you know, so often we think I need money, I'm going to run a fundraiser. And that should be the last resort. The first thing you should do is come up with a proposal, then walk into your administration, whether they are supportive of you or not, but come up to them with all the data and say, hey, here's what we need. And if they say, well, it's not in the budget, then say, well, is it okay with you if we go to the PTA? right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever your parent association is. And if they're like, yeah, our parent association, all of their fundraising goes to like second grade reading support or whatever. Then you say, okay, well then is it okay with you if I run some fundraisers? Right? Right. So, 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 so you have to go through all the proper steps, the red tape and everything before you can really go outside of the school. Yeah, because I've heard horror stories where, you know, a, a band or orchestra or choir has applied for a grant and they're they're given it, but then they can't accept it because they didn't go through the proper channels and there's no way to filter that money through a nonprofit, right? Or they do they start like an online giving page, like a GoFundMe or something, right? And and people donate hundreds of dollars. And then when they try to accept that money into a school bank account, they are shunned, you know, and they're told, well, you didn't go through the proper channels, so we really can't accept this, or this goes against the school policies or whatever. So this is one of the things that I don't understand. Like, I just don't get this. Like when a school is like, we need things. And then they're like, Oh, but you didn't file the paperwork correctly. It's like, throw all of, you know, throw all your intelligence out the window. I I just don't understand these things at all. This is why I'm no longer in public education. Well, this is, it's because of the ego thing. And we could totally go off the rails and into the ego thing. And I could teach you like the backdoor routes because there are backdoor routes mm-hmm. to getting that money. Like filtering the funds through a local foundation usually works. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, wink, wink. But, I'm there. Exactly. But let's stay on on track. And like number one, right? Get your big proposal together um, with lots of data. That's the key word for administrators is data. And then number two, do your due diligence. Go to your administration. Ask if you can use your PTA. Go to your PTA. You know, anybody who's already connected to your school, right? Mm -hmm. So then the third step is use your concert platform to ask for donations from parents and stakeholders. Right, because this is, again, people that might just want to give you money and don't need a candle in return. Exactly. So one of the best fundraisers I did was when I opened a brand new school, like my first year of teaching, and I had a relatively small budget. And to be fair, I had a background in working in music retail, so I was able to backdoor a lot of the the deals um, when it came to purchasing instruments. But then school started and I had, this is going to sound so embarrassing. I was a first year teacher, okay? And I forgot to buy a music library. <laughs> so oh, I had, you had to my- nothing to sing. <laughs> We had nothing to, yeah, we had no music to read. We had lots of instruments to play on. We had risers and we had, um, you know, a sound shell and stuff, but no music. So I I begged money off of my admin and they were super supportive, which was great. Um, I got like $150 and was able to buy like five folios or something. Um, But then at the first concert, I was like, we are going to get music at this first concert. So I called up my local music store who was, I was really lucky. It was JW Pepper actually. And was like, Hey, I have all this like wish list stuff. Could you guys bring the wish list stacks down and sell them in the foyer at my concert? 
And that way parents could pick which ones that they liked the sound of. And then we'd write the parent's name on it and say, this folio donated by blah, 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 Susie's dad. And it totally worked. I ended up with an extra four or $500 worth of music that was purchased in that one night by parents coming to the concert. Wow. That's awesome. crazy. What, right, did, and what did I have to do? I called up J.W. Pepper and said, hey, you know that wish list thing that I sent you the other day? Could you bring that down and sell it? I didn't touch any of the money. It all went straight through them. Where were you, in Paoli, Pennsylvania? No, actually, I was in Eagle Mountain, Utah. So it was a brand new school. So it was super rural. And we had one of, it was a Title I school. It was one of the highest impoverished areas in the state. Oh, okay. Wow. And that's amazing yeah. that they, they just... They have a distribution center there, and they just packed up some music and brought it over. We brought them down from Salt Lake. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yep. That's well, I mean, that's great because again, right? People don't necessarily need popcorn or chocolate bars in return for their donation. They might just want to donate. So start there. Yeah, or, or even um, like I, I have free programs. Obviously, nobody has to pay to come to any of the concerts or performances that I hold at my school. But if I were to put out a donation box and say, suggest a donation of $1 per person, I'd make $500 at a performance, you yeah. know? Right, because you'd probably get more than $1 per person anyway. Exactly. And, and you just say, help support our music program. And most people aren't going to need more than that. But if you want to up, up the ante, right, then you get like a student holding like a bucket, right? And if you want to take, take the next step, then you get some of those sweet donation envelopes that have like pre-printed um, donor information. They fill out their information and stick a check in the envelope. And then you can actually like have their information to send them a thank you note, right? And then the next level after that is to have a website they can access on their smartphone where they can just donate online. And then you get up on the microphone at the end of the performance to say, thank you all so much for coming. You know, we really could use some new risers here at the school and we hate doing fundraisers. Help us to avoid doing fundraisers. We know that you don't like doing fundraisers. So why don't you just open up your cell phone and go to blah, 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 org and donate right now to help us buy new risers. Can I give you even one step further? Because I love this. Yes. Okay. Yes, do it. So, so I think it's a, I, I think the the whole value proposition of I don't want to have to I don't want it's almost a threat. I don't want to have to do a fundraiser. Right? Because of course it's not the kid doing the fundraiser, it's the parent doing the fundraiser, right? Exactly. The kid doesn't yep. the kid's not gonna haul the candles around. Mom and dad are gonna haul the candles around, right? So so what I would say, I would open with the threat of a fundraiser. Open your whole concert with the threat of a fundraiser. Well, actually, start with singing. Okay, then after the first song. <laughs> okay, then then open with, with in your announcements with, "Hey, I was looking at the candle fundraiser, and I decided I decided that you know I was going to give you guys an opportunity to opt out. And so, if you go to GoFundMe or whatever dot com forward slash." My choir is awesome, right? And, and you're going to see a fundraising website. This choir, this concert's going to last approximately one hour. At the end of the concert, I'm going to come back up on stage and I'm going to check how much money is in is in that GoFundMe. And if it's over a certain amount of money, then we will not have 
a candle fundraiser this year or any <laughs> fundraiser this year. Like, like, and then you could do that kind of like uh, the Jerry Lewis telethon sort of style, you know, check the progress. You know, you could do a halftime progress. Hey, it's, it's intermission. We're at, we're at 480 bucks. Okay. If we get to a thousand, it's going to be a great night and your ass is not going to have to haul candles around the neighborhood. <laughs> that Ryan, that is so devious. I love it. So, well, you got to think outside the box, Elisa. No, but it's it's totally true. And and who, I mean, music teachers, come on. Would you rather run a fundraiser over three or four or six weeks or do it all in one night? Right. With people I mean, who already want to give you money. They already want to give you money. Yeah. Why yeah. would you open with a fundraiser? Anyway, okay, back, back on task. Okay. So. Number one, know what you need, why you need it, what it will cost, what it's going to do for your kiddos. Okay. So strong proposal. Number two, do your due diligence, go through your school, go through your admin, go through your PTA, whatever. Number three, use your concert platform to ask for donations, do them online or cash or check or use donation envelopes, whatever. I, I like the you know, any way you can get their contact information so that you can follow up and ask them to give more money later. Like that's awesome. Right. I mean, if you have 1500 people on your email list and you need a new tuba at some point, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to, you know, type it a little email to 1500 people and say, Hey, we could sure use $500. Who's willing to donate anyway. And even if you're in a poor, mm -hmm. a poor area, you know what? Not everybody that goes to your concert is going to be somebody that can't give, you know? So, there, you know, the mayor might be sitting there and wouldn't mind writing a check. You know, who knows? Yeah, you you never know who's going to be there. So, anyway, number four. Okay, so you've you've done your due diligence. You've tapped out all of your resources. Now, what you're going to do is go after grants from local organizations and local businesses. So there are these nationwide service organizations, which like the Lions Club, okay, or the um, Kiwanis or the Rotary. And these guys, what they do is they make money at a fundraiser to give money to local organizations. Okay. So for example, I applied for a grant for our local education foundation to the Lions Club. It was a one page application. It took me a total of 30 minutes and we were given almost $8,000 for 30 minutes of my time. Yeah, that's that's good ROI. Yes, that's very good ROI. It and and this was when I was serving on um, the board of our district foundation, and of the twelve board members at the time, I instantly overnight became the highest producing fundraiser on the board that's for great. writing a grant. That's great. Anyway, but it's not, and it's not just these. Um, you know, it's it's local businesses that often have. Um, grant opportunities like Target, like Walmart, like Wells Fargo. They do small community grants and they don't often ask for anything in return. You don't even have to add them to your program because for them, it's a corporate social responsibility piece. They get tax incentives and they get like the warm and fuzzy incentive, right? And that's a big deal for businesses these days. Yeah, they don't want I'll, to seem corrupt. I'll tell you, Walmart needs as much fuzzy as they can possibly get because 
Every every Walmart in Albuquerque has at least one dead body in the dumpster in the back. <laughs> so I mean, seriously, there's I'm always hearing about Walmart. Oh yeah. my lord! When is Equifax gonna start giving out local grants? Come yeah, on. wow, Equi. Yeah, t- talk about it. <laughs> talk about oh, yeah, Equifax. Yeah, over half the country, over half the country has their personal information at 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 the the hands of criminals at this point. Yeah, they yeah. should they should probably make a choir grant, the Equifax choir grant. Well, we'll talk to them. We'll talk to them. We'll see what happens. There you go, Ryan. Send them send them an email. But sponsored by <laughs> Equifax. <laughs> they could probably sponsor every choral program in the nation and still come out ahead, yeah, right? They'll, they'll be okay. And then, yeah, renew those those warm fuzzies. But really, just go after those local grants. And in fact, a good way to get notified of those grants is to set up a Google like notification. Google does this, right? So whenever anybody in your area, so let's say I'm in Grand Junction, Colorado, right? So I could type into to Google um, local or you know Grand Junction music arts grants or even just Grand Junction grants and set up a Google notification or Google alert. And then anytime that a local organization puts out a call for proposals for grants, I will get notified in my email. So it's not even like I have to regularly go and check. I just check my email like normal. And if something pops up that says Grand Junction grants, then I open it. And right there in my inbox are all these grants that I can apply for. That's great. So Google using Oh yeah, I've used it. I think I've had an alert in place since I was almost gosh in college or just out out of college. Um, Okay, so what is the next? What is the next step? All right. So next step is use business donation programs. So like shopping with scripts is a good one, or Amazon Smile. Or fundraising nights at local businesses like Chili's, Applebee's, stuff like that. So these are called like third-party donations, right? So if there's like a local race event that doesn't already have a nonprofit that they donate their proceeds to, like getting them to host an event and give you the money, that is almost no work for you and 100% profit. This is passive income. Exactly. Passive income. So shopping with scripts, Amazon smile, you know, if you've got like in my town at city market, you might have a Smith's or an Albertsons or, you know, whatever grocery store, if they have like those, those cards, like the user cards or shopping cards, then they actually might have a donation program. And people, when they sign up for their little shopping cards can shine up for like the Albuquerque high school choir program. And then you get a percentage of those people's sales. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think and, it's great. And, and they're happy to do it. I mean, especially, you know, local businesses, local restaurants, especially because they have like slow nights on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So you could like go down to your local pizza joint and be like, hey, so maybe next Tuesday, could you be willing to donate a portion of your sales to our organization? And we'll send it out to all of our emails and all of our parents. We'll get everybody to come and have pizza. And you just give us like 10% of the sales. Right. And so, yeah, just because they don't have an established program doesn't mean you can't just ask somebody to do it. And you know what? You might even have uh, kids in your programs whose parents are business owners that might be able to help you out. Yeah, exactly. And and that makes them do the work and you get the money. And anytime you can do that, totally leverage it. Love it. What's the next yep. one? 
So the next one is to collect donations online. So ideally you can use your own website or your school's website or your PTA website or get a booster club to create a website for you, but do that before you use a crowdfunding site because sites like GoFundMe, they take up to 30% of your profits off the top. So that means if somebody writes out a check for $100 to your choir program, you're only getting $70 of that so just for a, the privilege of, of using their site. A PayPal button would be a better idea. A PayPal button's a great idea. Or I like um, oh Stripe because they don't brand it, <laughs> right? So it can actually look like it's coming from your choir program and to your choir program. So I prefer Stripe, but PayPal makes it so easy. You create a paypal.me, just go to paypal.me, M-E, not M-I or M-E-E, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, and you can create your own button. Just make sure that the back end of it goes into your school account, not your personal account, obviously, because that would be really super unethical. Um, but even just doing that and being able to let parents access that online is going to save you a lot of money. You're going to make more money in the long run. Great. And people might be asking why that's like number six on the list of stuff. That's because any kind of online payment processing is still going to take 3%. If you get a business to write you out a check and you put that in your account, that check is worth the amount that's on it. If you process that payment online, it's worth 97% or less. Yeah, and one of the crazy things is that if people donate using a rewards card, um, those rewards are taken out of the fee that that um, the credit card companies charge the merchant. So like, so like you might even have sometimes up to like four percent if somebody donates using a rewards card. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So once you've once you've tapped out all these other resources, you've hit up your school, you've asked at your concert, you've gone after local grants, you've got you you're using business donation programs, and ideally you're doing all of these and you have an online collection site, that's when you can finally consider hosting a fundraiser. And there's a smart way to do that as well. Do you want me to go into that? I think we should. Okay, okay. Um, so the very first thing you need to consider when you're doing fundraisers is that if you are the wise teacher, you will choose a fundraiser that fulfills your mission of teaching music like a sing-off or a talent show or Christmas caroling or any number of holiday-themed performances. So are you telling me that candles do not boost my program's validity in the music education world? Ah, uh, You know what? I cannot see how they would unless you hold them while you go around Christmas caroling. Does that I, I, count? I guess, but yeah, but who wants, <laughs> who wants you know, the grandma's attic smell up, up your nose while you're... <laughs> While you're Christmas caroling. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, if you're, if you're going to run a fundraiser, start by choosing something that supports your mission of choral education, right? And there are so many options of those. They are a little more work because you're having to do them on your own, but you're going to make more money and you're going to make yourself more legitimate. And what's most important is your students are going to have a great time and learn some stuff, Right. That's yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about candles. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, you're fine. Candles, chocolate, custom bags, whatever. My kids. I have three kids, and they go to three different schools. 
So I am bombarded with fundraisers at least five times a year. And most of them are not smart. They're all like, here, shop online. And it's like, I don't want to shop online. I don't want to buy more crap. You want me to just write out a check? That's fine. I'll write out a check. But please don't ask me to bombard my friends and family with a link to an online thing where they can buy useless crap. I don't right? want... Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't want I, your, I, your sensey, smelling... <laughs> candle burner warmer thing. I don't know why I'm on candles today but I mean I love <laughs> candles I I love them but I don't think they d- deserve to be fundraisers I'm sorry I just I don't why? know so so let's Ugh. let's go back to I told you that when we were talking about you know hitting up people for donations and we talked about in kind um, goods and services. So what you can do is like hit up those people and say, look, you don't even have to give us cash. Just give us in kind goods and services, and then you can either sell them on your website or do something like a yard sale or a silent auction. Okay. Now, if you're really really smart, what you'll do is have like your little sing-off singing competition talent show slash Christmas caroling, whatever, that is supporting your goal of music education for your students. And then on top of that, you have local businesses have donated gift baskets. And now people are going to bid on the gift baskets as a silent auction item. And then on top of that, you have the option of little envelopes on the table where they can just write out a check and you have the option of them donating online and you can get up on the microphone and make a plea. So ideally, once you've hit the the point where you're actually hosting a fundraiser, you are stacking every single one of these additional options that we've already talked about. Boom. Love that. Yeah. So this really is a, a this checklist just has to be in order. So the, all the, all the principles that Elisa has spoken about on the show today you got to keep them in order and you it's just, you have to eliminate options from sort of the lowest hanging fruit to okay well i'm gonna have to invest a little more time at this point um right so the earlier things are greater roi to lesser roi on the uh, the lower things on the list yeah that's because i love you guys choir nation just, just want to try and make it super, super easy for you. And really, I cannot reiterate enough, the last resort should be having your students sell stuff. Why would you do that? Parents yeah. hate that. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't think any kid wants to do it either, really. No, in fact, you know, when they host these like school fundraisers, again, I have three kids in three different schools. And what they do is they bring in like the fundraising company and they're like, hey, kids, if you sell $30 worth of this useless crap to people that you may or may not even know, then you could win this iPad. It's like, why does that even have to no, be? No, but it's not even an iPad. It's like, it's like made in North Korea. Like, it's not even an <laughs> iPad. It's like Here, it's like when, it's like a Kim Jong pad, and it's and it only it only yells it, it only yells at you in Korean, and yeah, I know it's terrible. Yeah, but but seriously, and the kids come home and they're hyped up about it for an entire day until I say, okay, get out in the neighborhood and start asking for donations, and then they're like, what? See, I used to love the magazine drive; that was my favorite because I used to like I used to like want to like destroy the sales goals, but like most people didn't get into education because they wanted to destroy sales goals like I do. <laughs> so, um, um, which is probably why I wasn't always f- a good fit for public ed from a, um, administrative standpoint. 
um, and a human resources st- standpoint. <laughs> I I had a couple meetings because I always tried to crush sales calls. So, um, but uh, anyway, you know, so by following the list, you actually are are avoiding having to do the things that probably cause most teachers anxiety, right? Like sales. Like what teacher says, I want to do sales. Let's go. In, I'm going to go into education, right? That's probably not. But the problem is that you actually kind of have to be a little bit of a salesperson because you're getting students to choose to spend their time with you versus another elective teacher or whatever, you know, as you get into secondary ed and stuff like that. Um, so you do have to be a bit of a, a salesperson. But generally speaking, you didn't right, get but- there to education because you wanted to be in a sales position. Exactly. But this, we're talking about saving that salesmanship for recruiting, right? right? Like, don't waste your awesome sales ability on a fundraiser. And except for, you know, step one, which is crafting a strong proposal. Um, but anyway, Ryan, for, for Choir Nation out there, I'm happy to do a little checklisty download support document. Great. Um, would that be awesome? Yes. Tell us all about it and where we can, where we can find that and where we can find the Music Ed Mentor podcast. Sure. So my um, music education blog is professionalmusiceducator.com. And I will have these resources for you all at professionalmusiceducator.com slash ninja. And you can find the podcast at, you know, any iTunes, um, professionalmusiceducator.com slash podcast is a good place to find it. And again, it's the Music Ed Mentor Podcast. And I also have some awesome things coming up, like a book on lifestyle management for music educators so that you can actually know how to create the life that you love and a career that you never want to quit. And I get to be a presenter next month at the National Music Educators Conference. So if any of you listeners are coming to the NAFME conference in Dallas, come and find me. Come watch my session. It'll be awesome. Wonderful. Well, we will put links to everything that we can possibly put links to uh, in the show notes, including um, your website and your page where we can download um, that list. So if you head over to uh, choir.ninja forward slash 138, that is really the only URL you actually need to remember because we're going to include everything there. So choir.ninja forward slash 138 will link to all of um, Elise's resources, um, her podcast and everything there. And uh, yeah, I mean, Elisa, thank you so much for being a, a, a guest today on the Choir Ninja podcast. Oh, you are so welcome, Ryan. Thanks for letting me come on. All right, Choir Nation, um, thank you for listening. Uh, of course, join us online uh, in the Facebook group, which is uh, the Choir Nation Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Choir Nation. Uh, or you could just... You could just type in Choir Nation and you'll find, I don't know, some acapella group in like in like Canada or something. And you'll also find the Choir Nation Facebook group if you type it in uh, the search bar. So Choir Nation, thank you for joining me. And we'll see you on Friday with Ann Tomlinson from the L.A. Children's Chorus. Choir Ninja Show. Bung, bung.